You pierce the darkness with the fiercest light. Welcome back to the Neon Woman podcast. I am so excited about this week's Neon Conversation guest. This week, and I can't believe I get to say this, Kelly Henderson is my Neon Conversation guest. Kelly Henderson is a celebrity groomer and stylist and the creator of the blog and podcast Velvet's Edge. She also appeared on season one of the reality show Very Cavalry. Kelly's podcast, The Velvet's Edge Podcast, was one of the first ever podcasts I listened to, and I've tuned in every week since to listen to every episode. I just love her real, raw authenticity that shines through, and her blog and her Instagram are full of fashion, lifestyle, and makeup tips, as well as thought pieces on spirituality, relationships, and everything in between. Kelly joined me to discuss her origin story, her journey as a celebrity groomer and stylist, what it was like to appear on reality TV and have the entire world just misconstrue your entire personality. Starting her podcast, Velvet's Edge, and starting the Velvet's Edge brand. What it means to be a neon woman and everything in between. Kelly truly embraces, to me, what I think it means to be a neon woman. And also what it means to embrace both the velvet and the edge of life. It was an absolute dream come true to have her as a guest on my podcast. Here is our conversation. Welcome to the Neon Woman podcast. I am, yeah, I'm so excited. I have <laughs> admired you for so many years and yeah, I just want to chat to you and get to know you and find out what you're all about, really. Well, let's do it. Thank you so much for having me. I like to start every interview with the same question, which is, you know, everybody, everybody knows people for what they do, but mm -hmm. I like to know, like, who is Kelly aside from what you do? Oh man, that is such a good question. I love that. You know, it's so interesting. Actually, I just was saying to a friend that I feel like I'm in this stage right now where I'm sort of redefining who Kelly is. And that's based on, you know, some of the things that I've been through the last couple of years, some of them very public, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But um, I just bump up against a lot of stuff within myself, uh, maybe from my past, the way that I've reacted in relationships and all the things that just don't work for me anymore. So I'm in this process, there was like a huge grieving process. And then now there's sort of like this pause of who am I and what do I want? And um, a lot of my stuff that's coming up is, you know, that I'm an extremely sensitive feeling human being. And um, if anyone knows about astrology, I'm a cancer sun and a Pisces moon. So like the most feeling two signs you could be, I am. <laughs> and I 
think that I have tried in my life to pretend like I'm not that, you know, like it's a, it's a very hard way to be in the way that our society has been in the past. I do think we're shifting a little bit, but we live in a very like masculine, go get them attitude kind of world. And for a person like me who carries around everyone's feelings, including my own, that's just a lot sometimes. And I used to think that that made me weak, but the part of me now that's getting to know the new Kelly is really embracing that as kind of this new superpower and um, realizing that I do think I'm here to help other people really access their feelings and their emotions and kind of accept that about themselves maybe. So those are my new journeys. I mean, I wish I had a more concise answer, but I'm still figuring it out too. And I'm almost 40. <laughs> no, I, I love that. Like, yeah, I um, I turned 30 at the beginning of this year and it's been interesting. Like, I feel like this ah. big tidal wave is coming, but nothing's happened yet. So I think I'm doing a lot of internal changing. Yeah. I'm feeling like there's going to be this massive transformation and nothing's happened yet. I feel exactly that same way. I keep waiting for this one aha moment or this one thing to hit. And I go, oh, that's what this was all for. And it hasn't been like that. It's been maybe some slow, gradual things that have happened. Um, and maybe that's more what growth looks like. You know, like it's not this one big moment. It's just this slow process. And before you know it, you're looking back and you're like, wow, that's crazy who I used to be. Yeah, but I'm, I love astrology and I'm a Capricorn. Oh, okay. Uh, but my mom is a Pisces and my brother is a Cancer. So I fully understand. You're very familiar. <laughs> Do you know your moon sign? Oh God, I think I have it in an app somewhere. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm basically the most stubborn person ever. Oh, okay. Maybe you're a Taurus moon or something. Capricorn's, Capricorn is the opposite of my sign. And so we can really complement each other, but then also sometimes really bump up against each other. Yeah. My partner's a Taurus, so we're basically just two stubborn people. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so can you talk to me a bit about your origin story, like what you were like growing up, how that maybe influenced the path you chose to go down, including, you know, in your work? Say that last part of the question again. I'm sorry, it mm. cut out a little bit. Um, could you tell me your origin story, like how what, what you were like growing up and how that maybe influenced the path you've chosen to go down and even in your work as well? Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, I'm from Louisiana, so anyone from the States listening knows I'm kind of like a raging Cajun. I sometimes can get really sassy. Um, <clears throat> I would say, how did that influence me now? It's so interesting because you know, both my parents were very typical. My mom was a school teacher. My dad was in a, he's in the oil business. So it was like a nine to five type situation. And school was obviously really important because that's what they did. That's where my mom worked. And I did well in school, but I just did not really like love it. Um, but again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying just a second ago about figuring out who I really am. You know, I, I do think growing up, I put myself into the box that everyone else wanted me to be in. And I don't know if this is like fortunately or unfortunately, but I fit in that box or I've made myself fit. And so it took me a long time to kind of unwind some of those messages and programming that I adopted. But um, I always loved fashion. That was like the one thing I remember watching red carpets. Like that was my favorite part of the award show was wasn't even the award show. It was just the red carpet. And I loved the whole picture of it, you know, like 
what were they going to wear and how was their hair going to tie into that look? Or like, what was their makeup going to be? And what kind of lip were they going to wear? And even the guys. Um, and so that was just always in there, but I ended up going to school because I thought I needed to and got a public relations degree, which I do use now for Velvet's Edge and, you know, my website and blog and all of that stuff. But Ultimately, I ended up really finding my path in fashion and hair and makeup when I moved to Nashville and I was trying to do PR and I hated that job. <laughs> and I have so much respect for those people. It's hard. It's hard, hard work, but I'm just not made to work at a desk. Like I'm too all over the place. My energy needs to flow and move and be different all the time. And um, so I finally just was able to meet someone here who trained me in that. And I just leaned in and went for it. And I could see then what the influences from my childhood were and that it had, it had always been there, but um, it took me really actually doing it to kind of realize that. Yeah. So you didn't have any experience in the beauty fashion industry except for the passion? Zero. I ended up going back to hair school. Um, this was later though. And I, you know, trained under this makeup artist for a really long time, but it really ultimately when I started working with her too, I was like, maybe I'll just do wardrobe. You know, that's really where I feel like my creativity lies. Um, which is probably how I've ended up working with men the most, because with them, I get to do both just because, you know, their hair and makeup is obviously a little different <laughs> and a little less intense than what a female would do. But um, I get to kind of get my creativity out and what they're going to wear and, and do both of those things. So it really works. Yeah. My next question was like, when did you decide to almost exclusively do male grooming? Cause yeah, I think you man. do do some women as well, don't you? Not really. Yeah. I mean, it's really like the last, uh, I used to, but then the last couple of years I've really leaned into just working with men. Um, I don't think I really decided that. Mm. <laughs> it's this weird things that life does, right? So I started working for Dirk Bentley. And um, when that happened and I was exclusively working with him just a lot, I think people started to get the idea like, oh, maybe she's really good with dudes. And so then it was like Jason Aldean called. And then, you know, I'd work with Luke Bryan sometimes. And then before I knew it, those were the calls that I was getting because people were just filing me away in that category. And... Um, I didn't necessarily want that at first because I love, especially the clothing for women. I love all of it, you know, but that's sort of why I started Velvet's Edge was so that I could still express that because I realized like having a niche really does help you to grow. And if people can associate you with one thing, you're going to be the one that gets the calls. And so still to this day, I'm getting calls from people who are like, I heard you're the girl to go to for guys, you know, and that's just like, where I am in their head. And that's great. Cause you need to have some sort of definition that people can associate so that you're the first person they think of. Yeah. And also I feel like maybe the female styling and beauty is perhaps saturated already. Totally. Yeah. It's definitely one of those markets where there's a lot of people who want to work with women with that stuff. Um, but the dudes are awesome. Like it's so fun. And it obviously like, it seems less intensive. There's just different battles, you know, like none of them want to look like they're wearing makeup or really done up. And so it's like kind of the opposite thing that you're really working for a lot of times to make them look their best, but also not like too over the top. So, um, and everybody has their insecurities too, you know, like a lot of, it's hard with women, especially women who are aging, because I think 
we all as women hold on to what we used to look like. And so it's it, sometimes it's difficult because when you're being put out there and on TV and all this stuff, your insecurities can really rise, but it happens for dudes too. They just cover it a little better. Yeah. Well, I mean, you must've been incredibly, I don't think brave is the right word, but I can't imagine kind of just throwing myself into a, an industry I just kind of fallen into I mean like okay yeah I'm gonna be the go-to person for male styling like that's just yeah what was that like my parents would say I'm crazy but (laughs) I I think um I didn't know any better I didn't realize that that was like like thank you for calling it brave it it probably was and now I can't imagine it you know especially with all the responsibilities I have I would I would never take a leap like I did but I was 24. I was broke anyway. It was sort of just like, what do I have to lose? This is what I really want to do. And I mean, if anyone listening is that age, that is your time to just do whatever you want, figure it out, take all the risk and chances you can take. Because once you get to be my age, you have so many responsibilities that it can hold you back and kind of inhibit some of the things maybe you want to throw yourself into, but you're like, uh, but I got to pay the mortgage, you know? (laughs) Like, um, so yeah, I don't know. I guess it was, it was pretty courageous, especially coming from where I came from where no, I mean, nobody that I knew did that, but um, yeah, let's just say it's one of those like ignorance is bliss moments maybe. And it just worked out for me. (laughs) Yeah. So I know you don't, I mean, technically you don't work in the music industry, but you are in the industry. And I just wondered if you'd ever faced like discrimination in your line of work. It's interesting to me that the music industry itself is very male dominated. And I just wonder what your experience was like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would call it discrimination. I think something I've been really bumping up against though with the like patriarchy movement happening and um, trying to think of how to say this because I actually did not realize how I played into it until lately. You know, like it's just dawning on me how I played into all of this. And that was my old programming too. But um, I don't know if it was discrimination because it's pretty common for a woman to be in my line of work in the music industry. But there was definitely, um, I don't know if I want to call it like an understanding or just things that happened that nobody talked about as if they were weird. It was just sort of like the way that we were treated or... I knew I needed to look cute and dress a certain way as a part of my job, which isn't really right, but it was this pressure, this unsaid pressure that I felt to be a certain version of myself amongst a bunch of men, like you said, and the country music industry specifically is very male dominated. And so, you know, I think now there's a lot of really powerful women finding their voices within this industry, but yeah, it's definitely like the over-sexualization of women, the comments that are made, the um, objectification, and I played into it. That's the worst part. Like, I hate admitting that, but it it was just like a ha-ha-ha-ha, you know? Like, there was no Me Too movement to really stand up against um, guys, and it, it's definitely shifted since that started, but my truth is just that it was just the way it was and you just kind of rolled with it. And that was like, yeah, of course they said that to you. That's what they, that's what they do. And 
now I look at that and I'm like, God, that's so demeaning and objectifying and selling myself so short to let myself be taught to that way. Yeah, but as women, we, we're just expected to, to play into it almost. And I think it is changing, but I feel Slowly. like as women, we're just expected to fall into these totally boxes and patterns and yeah so I don't I don't think it's our fault most of the time I think it's just the way that we were all programmed even the guys you know like I've I've been really angry with men for a long time about that and now I'm just like wait a second they actually got programmed in the same way that we did and thinking that that's okay that was just the way that it was and that was the system that was set up and women played a certain role and you know we baby stepped our way into really being in the work field and you know trying to get equal pay and voting even and all it can go go so far back and so this this age seems to be kind of bumping up against sexuality and women finding their voice around owning their own sexuality which is super confusing because I feel like we've almost pendulumed too far to the other side of like hey I'm gonna put myself out there and I'm gonna expose myself in these ways or there's porn and all of these things that women think that that's taking ownership but really it's just playing into the same old things that we were before but on the other side of it like too far the other side you know so I'm hoping that it kind of evens out and we really find our voice and if I knew what that looked like I would say it but that's what I'm navigating through right now too yeah absolutely so you have a brand uh a blog and a podcast Mm -hmm. all Velvet's Edge Correct. Just, I just want to say that Velvet's Edge is one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. Oh, really? I've literally listened to every single episode. I, I love, love you it. for that. <laughs> Can you talk to me about creating all of those things and why, why did you call it Velvet's Edge? So when I first started, it was just a blog and an Instagram account. And I had a business partner who actually was my next door neighbor. And we both went through terrible breakups like I was actually your age I canceled a wedding I um had to move out of the house it was terrible but I I happened to move into one of the girls that became one of my best friends and then she went through a terrible breakup very similar and so we were like depressed (laughs) and so it would end up you know we're sitting on our couch every night drinking wine watching sex in the city reruns or something and it was just like lonesome (laughs) and finally one day she goes we've got to do something like we're too smart we're too creative we both have these really great jobs she was an interior designer and we need to do something with this and so we individually had blogs that kind of I don't know blogs are a lot of work people really Mm. downplay it but there's so much work and so we had kind of let them like fall through the cracks, through the breakups. And we decided we would start one together. And so the brainstorming started with the name, which people always ask me where that came from. And we really just were trying to find two words that kind of communicated what each of us did, you know? And so velvet could be a fabric. It could be a type of makeup. Um, Edge could be a corner or it could be a style. And so those two words really work together I mean we had terrible names at first it was like lipstick couch and like (laughs) these really bad ideas thank god we didn't name it that but um we really landed on velvet's edge and so that was how the whole thing grew she ended up getting married and having a baby and all of it was just too much with a full-time job too and so I took it over myself and it's kind of become something different in the meaning behind the name even was just like those things really work but for me it's like 
as the sensitive feeling type person that I am, the velvet really became the representation of that version of me and my insides. And a lot of the stuff that I talk about on the podcast, you know, is healing journeys, trauma healing, um, learning about astrology or just expanding my internal growth in any capacity that I can. And then the edge part, I mean, it could be edgy stuff because I love to laugh and drink and, you know, say crude things and talk about sex with my friends. And so there's that version of me too. And it's also goes back to the style. Like I still love the outer beauty type stuff too. So it's really just the version of exploring your inner beauty, your outer beauty, and then not trying to box yourself into one thing because I can't, like, I'm just, that is not a real representation of me. And I used to try to live that way, like I said, and I don't want to anymore. So I'm both velvet and edge. I love that. Uh, you know, the your podcast has so much vulnerability and candor and covers such a diverse range of topics. It was actually something that I modeled Neon Woman on because... I don't know, I feel like a lot of podcasts are very middle of the road and you just cover everything and I love that. <laughs> My ADD works for some people. <laughs> it's so good, like, you know, I'm, I'm very spiritual. I love astrology healing. Um, I actually discovered Holly Ramey on your podcast and she came yes. to mine. Amazing, she's awesome. Was it daunting to branch into podcasts? Because I found it daunting. You know? Oh my gosh. That was probably, well, that and getting on TV were two of the scariest things that I have done in my adult life. I was approached by a client of mine, like a styling client of mine, Bobby Bones, and he's a radio DJ here in Nashville. And um, I say radio DJ. He's also on American Idol. He's a big deal. He won Dancing with the Stars. But he started a podcast network and he approached me and was just like, hey, I see you building this brand with Velvet's Edge like I think you'd be really good at this and I'm like no chance I told him no like three times I was like no I have no idea how to do that I'm not I'm a behind the scenes person you know like yeah I, I post pictures on Instagram but that still feels very controlled to me where a podcast is just like right there um but he finally convinced me to just try it he was like just do it like even record a couple of them and send them to me and don't post them you know like but let's do it. And so it's run through iHeartMedia, which was also very daunting to me to be a part of such a big network. But once I started doing it, I realized that I am such a curious person and that really works well in this podcast arena because I just love meeting people and connecting with people and learning about their journeys. And um, if they're an expert on a certain area, I mean, it's like going to therapy, <laughs> for free, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it just really became really, really fun. It's actually one of my favorite things that I do now in the fact that it really helps me with the connection piece that is so important to me with all humans, um, the listeners and then the guests and everybody. So it's, it's become very fulfilling for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love your podcast. It's thank you. It's on rotation every week. Um, oh, good. I love hearing that. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about reality TV, but I'm not going to dwell on it. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> what do you want to know? Let's talk about it. <laughs> oh, sorry. So you starred in the reality show Very Cavalieri in mm -hmm. 2018, 2019. You were my favorite character, and I'll tell you oh, why. Thank you. You're my favorite character because, and I, I hope you take this as a compliment, 
you didn't seem like a reality TV character. (laughs) You were just yourself. (laughs) You have no idea how big of a compliment I take that as. Thank you. (laughs) Like there was, there was almost this curiosity about wanting to get to know you because I didn't feel like you were playing a part. You were just being you. That is literally the best thing that you could say to me. And if you knew how many people were like, you're doing what? When I said I was doing that show, it's for that exact reason, because I'm not wired that way. I'm, I don't like drama. I don't like conflict that seems unnecessary. I'd rather sit and talk things out with people. Um, so yeah, like the reality TV thing is bizarre that I would choose to do it, but I chose to do it because, you know, at the time I was really, really good friends with Kristen Cavallari and it was a very, the way it was presented to me was, Hey, um, I need a friend on this show. It was just going to be about my store, but like, I'm not even going to be on it that much. And I need a friend. Do you want to do it? It'd be really good for Velvet's Edge. And I'd been working so hard to build that, that I think I fell into the trap of, uh, why not? You know, I was in a place of like, I'm saying yes to everything. I had just said yes to the podcast and really started trying that. And I loved it. And so I was like, you know what, why not? What do I have to lose? But it turns out, (laughs) it it turned a little bit though. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, can you talk to me a little bit about your experience? And I guess the main thing I want to, the main thing I want you to do is clear up any misconceptions that people may have because I think that you were portrayed very differently to who you are. Thank you um, for knowing that. Uh, Yeah, for a while I wasn't talking about it because I was so shell-shocked of like, oh my god, did that just happen? You know, like, and also grieving a friendship, like I kind of mentioned earlier, just like the grieving processes I've been going through. And as a deep feeler, those take me a little longer than maybe some. Um, But yeah, I mean, the first two seasons, you know, like the first season, I was just like a joke. I didn't really feel like I knew how to be myself because I'm not used to having a camera or three cameras in my face. Um, And the other part was that I, at that time in my life, was working a lot. Like it was go time with a lot of things hitting. And so, you know, I was working ridiculous hours and all of that the show really wanted to focus on was my dating life, which is pretty non-existent at that point. <laughs> but that was like sort of the role they needed was someone because Kristen was married. And so it was like they needed someone to be going on dates and talking about that. And that wasn't at all what I was interested in, but it was just sort of like, okay, let's talk about it. Um, so the first season was like a mix of that mostly, which was pretty dumb. You know, it was kind of fabricated in a way and it was all happening ish, but it was really for a storyline and didn't talk about the rest of my life. You know, none of my clients really wanted to be on the show. And so it was like hard for me to do that. I didn't want to talk about my family, not because I'm embarrassed of my family or anything, but I was protective of them. Like, I don't know what this experience is like. And I signed up for this. They didn't. So like, I don't know. I just, it felt like a very like intrusive thing to bring upon people who I care about that didn't sign up for it. So we went with dating. So that sort of became the thing for me. Um, but then by the second season, I really kind of figured out more like, okay, I can't just hold back and talk about stupid stuff that doesn't matter to me. Like if I'm going to do this, I really need to lean in and let people get to know me. And so that was where stories about 
being engaged and being cheated on came up or like my infer infertility journey. Um, I let the cameras come in on that. And it was difficult and like vulnerable, but also that really fills me up to feel like I'm being real and authentic. And the feedback that I would get would be other people reaching out to me to be like, oh my God, I went through that too. And so that in and of itself was so healing for me. And and also, like I said, connecting, which is just a huge piece of what helps me to thrive in life is when I find that common ground with somebody and we can connect, even if it's through pain. Um, and so I really kind of felt like I was finding my stride with it season two. And then season three, the week before we started filming, the shit, oh, can I cuss on here? Yes, please. <laughs> okay, the shit just hit the fan and I still don't really understand what happened, but um between the seasons, Kristen had been filming another show. I was extremely burnt out. As I said, um, I was kind of going through some personal stuff with the infertility treatments and I had just started dating my now boyfriend. And so, you know, when you start a new relationship, you're kind of like wrapped up in that. Um, and so we just kind of like were texting, but not maybe talking as much as we had been during filming, but like she was also in Mexico. I had a lot of shit going on back home. Um, and yeah, you just kind of like get out of sync, but not in a bad way. Like I, I didn't even know she was mad at me, but apparently she was. Um, so that was brought to my attention the week before filming. And I immediately tried to call her to get together. That didn't happen. It took her a week to get on the phone or to agree to a phone call. And then instead I just got an email that was like accusing me of all of this kind of stuff that wasn't true. And so you know, I wrote back to the email and was just like, yeah, like that's not what was happening. Like here's what was happening in my life. And also she didn't know any of that because she wasn't really engaged in my life either. Um, but I also, I think because of maybe how old I am or just like the way that all of my friends are these badasses who have really demanding jobs, there are just ebbs and flows in the relationships. Like sometimes I'm seeing them all the time, especially my friends that like you know, I'm really good friends with Dirk Bentley's manager who I work with. And she's honestly my best friend. And when we're traveling, we get to see each other all the time. Then there will be a month where we don't travel. And I don't, we just kind of like fall out. You just go live your life. And that's kind of adult relationships, in my opinion, like that just happens. Um, but I would always drop anything for any of my friends if they needed it. But it was just one of those busy times of life. So yeah, I mean, uh, that happened. We never really connected again. And, um, they started filming and I was really like, I don't know how to film if I'm like in a fight with Kristen, like what, this is so weird. And I was really upset. Like as far as just like feeling really out of control and, and also just like, wait, confused, like what the hell is happening? And so, yeah, they started filming and it just was weird. Like I finally agreed to film one time because they, they kept asking. And I was like, not until I like get on good pages with her, I can't figure out what's happening. Like, this is a real friendship. This isn't just like a TV show. So I went to film and I, it was with that guy, Justin. And I immediately realized I was being set up the second I sat down. It was just like very one-sided. Kristen has editing power. Justin was clearly trying to like play a role um, and yeah, that's still, I still am harboring some anger on that one, but, um, yeah, they just kind of threw me under the bus. And then when the season came out, it was just like unbelievable, the stuff that was being said about me. I mean, 
it was literally the furthest things from the truth. And truthfully now I'm like so much of it felt like projection of another side, like things that were happening to me were what was being, I was being accused of. So I don't know. I don't really know what was going on with that. And as far as like the J rumors that I have the text messages that I literally texted with Kristen. We were both like, this is so ridiculous. Like I've known Jay longer than Kristen. Nothing has ever even remotely close come like come close to happening. He was like a brother to me. Um, he was best friends with the guy I was engaged with. And so that is how our relationship was, was just very like pick on each other, kind of like know how to push each other's buttons because we'd known each other for like 12 years. Um, so I guess people, it was right when that like Kardashian, Jordan Wood stuff was happening and our show came on right after. And so I think they started associating those two, maybe. I don't know. I've tried to make sense of it, but I'm like, how did people get there that we were like flirting? But it really wasn't even that many people. It was like a couple trolls on Twitter and Kristen and I talked about it, which again, like I have the text messages to say, uh, should we address this as a joke or should we say something? Like, this is so ridiculous. And she was like, no, it's so absurd. And the more you bring attention to something, it becomes a thing. So just ignore it because we know it's not true. But then all of a sudden in season three, it was the truth that she wanted to pitch as like, something and they used you know the clickbait of just like the affair stuff and then if you watch the show she was like I know nothing happened it's just that I it basically was that she was trying to argue that I didn't reach out to her when the trolls were coming and I'm like uh but what about these texts that I have where we did talk about it um but I don't know a lot of people have been like why don't you release that stuff and I'm just like because I'm not a reality tv star like you said that is just not the kind of person I am and I don't believe that that, like, I don't want to get wrapped up in some drama. I was wrapped up in it, but I don't want to make it worse than it is and whatever. So I chose not to do that. I felt like that would be really gross. Yeah. In terms of like, you know, the ebbs and flows of friendship, like I completely understand where you're coming from. I live in Australia. Basically all of my friends are in the UK mm. and you're just kind of expected as grownups to pick up where you left off. Mm -hmm when you can you know exactly and but I also I'm a true believer that people come in and out of your life to teach you things some people stay forever some people stay for five minutes and totally. yeah that's that's that was a crazy story it was a crazy story and I actually agree with you on that and I haven't fully like processed all the lessons that I've learned from that scenario but on the positive side, being on the show did teach me a lot about what I really like doing with people and the connecting piece that I told you about, you know, that's really expanded my uh, growth as far as Velvet's Edge goes and like what I really want to do with it. Um, the hard part, of course, being like, you know, the grief of the friendship and there's tons of stuff that I still think of where I'm just like, how did we get here? You know, like, there's no one I used to laugh with more than Kristen and I miss those things those moments and it's really sad and it also makes me really aware of sometimes how I trust people too quickly or trust a situation and just think that everyone would handle something the way that I would or um, whatever like I always said about that I'm like if you want to fire me from the show or if you don't want me on the show you want Justin on the show as in my role just tell me like 
fire me, but don't go like try to soil my name. You know, it was like character assassination that a nine year friendship, I don't care really what happened. I would have never done that to her. And so that was where it was just like a real awakening to me of who I let in my life and who I make myself vulnerable to again. Yeah. Yeah. I've been grieving a friendship for kind of the last Mm -hmm. like year and a half and it's an interesting journey, but I mean, are you glad that you shared such intimate things on the show? You know, you opened up about so much. I can't imagine doing that to anyone really. Yeah. Let alone the world. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Again, maybe it's like an ignorance is bliss thing. I don't know if I really fully processed what I was doing while I was doing it, but I don't know. A lot of people are like, they, and there's, okay, two things. Sorry, let me start over. The one piece of the bad parts of what happened in season three was I felt so exposed and I felt exposed for things that weren't true to me. And then I felt exposed for the things that I had given to the world. Like you said, just like that exposure shame where you just want to crawl in a hole and die. (laughs) And you're just like, I never want to show my face again. Um, people think that I'm a homewrecker, which if you know anything about my story is probably the worst possible thing you could ever accuse me of because I got cheated on so bad that I'm so sensitive to that topic in general. Like I just, in, in my relationships, it's always, it's a really hard thing, you know, getting trust and like working for trust and also trusting my partners. And then like, I would just never do that to a friend, nor would I even think about, doing that with their husband. So that was very hurtful. Um, And then, so there was all the exposure, there was all the like confusion. And then I'd also realized that like, that was really where I thrive. And so for, I'm really just trying to lean into the fact that like, I am here as a human who doesn't really care to share the truth. And I'm a truth teller on that capacity, even when it makes me look not the best, you know, or if it's like an ugly version or, not the picture perfect version we might see on social media. Um, It's okay with me. And I'm not going to change that about myself. And actually the show helped me to realize that the more we share with each other, our honest, authentic selves, the more it gives other people the freedom to do the same with you. And so if you're doing that, it's, I've been met with so many amazing humans, you know, just like you that reach out and say, Hey, I listen to your podcast every day or every week. And this really helped me because of X, Y, and Z that I went through. And that's enough for me. I don't need any, anything else other than know that I helped one person maybe get through their day or get through a situation because they know they're not alone. And so if I get exposed sometimes or it's vulnerable, that's okay. And I'm just, I think I'm here to do that. Yeah. As a Capricorn, I am learning to process my emotions and also talk about them which is very difficult. (laughs) Oh, well, Kristen's a Capricorn, by the way. And so that was a big dynamic in our relationship because I would always be like pulling stuff out of her. And I think that's probably why we had such a strong friendship for a long time because she felt the most vulnerable with me than she did with anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, do I think her birthday is the day before mine? Yeah. Yeah. Well, happy birthday to both of y'all. Just kidding. I'm not bitter at all. I'm just kidding. I'm working through it and there's good days and bad days. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing. Like, I didn't want to dwell on reality TV, but it's also 
part of your story so totally is and it's how a lot of people know me now so changing Happy the subject at this point <laughs> what'd you say changing the subject okay moving on <laughs> talk to me a little bit more about your motto velvet's edge I mean I love the concept behind it but I'd love to delve a little bit deeper um tell me more about what you want to know like yeah, I think it's so unique like I, I I really relate everyone has a little velvet and a little edge yeah like I don't know I just I'd love to know your thinking behind it and like neon woman I feel like women are just full of like neon colors that's kind of where yeah, I love that from. yeah I think it kind of goes back to what I said earlier about just feeling like I tried to live in this box of what worked for everyone or what works for a lot of people um, or what we're just taught should be the way that we are. And I did it and it did semi work for me, but I, I just kept feeling like there has to be more or I would have these meltdowns because I'm like, this isn't it, you know, like, yes, fine. I have, this out, cute outfit on and I'm going to this cool party and I want to tell everybody about it. But then tomorrow when I have a bad day and I'm crying, I also want to be able to talk about what I learned from that experience, you know, or the deeper sides of what I'm going through on a day to day. And I just feel like sometimes we all sell ourselves short when we try to say like, look at this, especially like the social media age, look at my life, look at all of this stuff that I have going on but don't even pay attention to this. And I'm not either, you know, and I just want to do both. Like, I just want to kind of understand that some days I'm going to be this edgy, badass bitch who is like, go out there and do all the cool things. And then some days I'm going to be a little more sensitive and um, quiet and I need to meditate. And I want to talk about both because they're both huge parts of me. And in fact, because I'm such a feeler, I never really know what I'm going to wake up as that next day, you know? Um, but I don't want to try to fight who I am and I want to embrace both sides because I think they both serve their purpose. And I think that's true for everyone. Just some people don't really want to like get in touch with that yet. Yes. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a work in progress for all of us. So, I mean, you, to me, you always portray such strength and vulnerability, you know, in your podcast and all of the content that you put out into the world say it again because you cut out I'm sorry oh, sorry you always portray such strength and also vulnerability with all of the content that you put into the world and you talk a lot about self-growth self-care all of which I identify with but struggle with like I put myself last all of the time same just want to, like oh so this is my question <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm working 30, on it. Yeah, I'm 30 and I struggle with this every day. How do you do it? Like, how do you portray both? I tend to portray the strength, oh. less the vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And also, I just don't really give myself self care. Uh, God, if you knew how timely that question was. <laughs> um, I think as you get older, first of all, you start to identify more of the things that you need and that you are either willing or not willing to put up with. And so that's the first step that helped me to get to self-care. 
Um, but still, you know, I can really fall into a trap of wanting to make life easy for everyone around me. I mean, I have a job that does that. That's like my entire purpose in my job, basically. And um, in my friendships, it's a very important thing to me to be a shoulder for someone if they need it or to show up in whatever capacity they need, even if it's fun. But I can get sort of lost in that because it's not always true to what I need, you know? And, and I literally had this conversation yesterday um, because I do that a lot in dating. That is like a big thing. And my boyfriend now has kids. And so it makes it even more complex because children like do actually need your care and your nurturing and all the things. And they can't really give it back to you in the same way because they're kids, you know, they give you in a lot, give it to you in a lot of ways, but it's your job to do that. And so I can keep finding myself really lost in that dynamic because I want to make sure he's happy and I want to make sure they're happy and I want to make sure everything's working in a unit. And there's all these other outside forces always happening. And so at the end of the day, the first thing to go for me is me. Um, and so I said this to him yesterday, I'm like, I'm lost again, you know, like I really need, I can't even say what I need most of the time when I'm in that place, because I don't even know myself. I've gotten so far away from myself that I don't even know. And so a lot of times it just takes me like sitting with myself, which is usually the last thing I want to do when I feel like that. Cause I want someone to come in and fix me. Right. Or like fill me back up for me. Yeah. But and my anxiety is like super high in those moments. And like the last thing you want to go do is like, go sit. I, I don't want to go to my house and be by myself. I just want to stay at his house and be with all of them. But it ends up backfiring. Cause it's like, then I'm just too full. I can't help anyone. Cause I don't have anything to give and it ends up bad. And so this week, for instance, I'm like staying at my house and I'm going to hang out with some of my friends who really fill me up and it can be small things like that. Or I just needed a really good night's sleep one night, you know, like I hadn't slept well in a week. Um, I really like to take baths. I didn't get to take a bath in like a month because I had too much going on there. And so sometimes I just still have to get in a place of separation to figure out what I need. And that's where the strength will start to come back because it's within all of us. I mean, and that's the thing is like, we all look for it through other people, through a job, through whatever it is. And it's, it's inside, it's inside of you. It's inside of me. And it's really just tapping back into that part of ourselves that the strength comes in. Yeah. I, I fully relate to that. Like I do not know how to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Or I just do everything myself. I put everyone else first. And eventually you end up saying, hey, what about me? But I also have learned that, like, my partner is not a mind reader. He, mm -hmm. he doesn't know what I want unless I ask for it. Right. Well, that's a very common woman thing to do, right? Like, that goes back into the patriarchal programming. Like, we until now have not really had an option to be anything but that way. And the people who were, were looked at as selfish or a bitch or anything but a kind, loving person. And I think that mentality is breaking, but it's tough. I mean, it is in us. There's this book I read called The Good Girl um, Myth. And there is stuff in us that believes truly that to be accepted or to be a good girlfriend or a good wife or a, a good worker, even a good mom, that 
you have to do these certain things and be this certain way all the time. And the pressure that we put on ourselves is absurd. I mean, it is like impossible for anyone to be that way all the time. It just is. So I think like the older I get, the more I'm kind of accepting, Hey, I'm a human too. And although I don't necessarily know how to ask for it yet, I'm learning the small things that I need to do that will help me not get to that place of like complete meltdown mode where I just can't function anymore. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So something I've always felt really connected to you on is your spirituality, which like I grew up very spiritual. I, my mom taught me about like tarot auras, healing, all of that kind of thing. But it's also not very common. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm more of the unusual person. Could you talk to me a little bit about your spiritual growth? Because I feel like we're kind of aligned in that way. Yeah. I mean, I grew up very um, Christian. It was like, I went to a Christian high school. We always went to church every Sunday. I was in the youth group. I was a camp counselor at a Christian camp. Um, so that was where my spirituality first started was just in a relationship with God. Um, the older I got and the more like my life didn't fit in that box of what I had kind of been brought up in or like things fell apart and things were ugly and there's a lot of addiction in my family. And that was embarrassing at church. Like all of those things kind of pulled me away from it. And I got kind of that thing of the swinging the pendulum. I went to the other side and I was like, I do not believe in this. You know, I went through all my twenties, just like rebelling against that. Um, and then the more I've like done the healing work that I started doing, the greater my spirituality has actually expanded. And I wouldn't say I, I, I don't go to church and I don't do it the way that I used to do it, but I do believe in a higher power. And um, I do completely feel my connection to the universe at all times or most of the time, you know, sometimes I'm having a bad day, <laughs> but um, I am still learning. And I think it's like, once you start on that journey and you're so lucky to have grown up in it, but once you start on that journey and you try tarot or you try astrology and then you, you go to a psychic and there's so much more, there's so much more that I just didn't even know about growing up. And um, this is a, not a knock on Christianity. I think people can get it in whatever way that works for them. Um, that was just, that was too much of a box for me. And so I could read the Bible or I could go talk to Marv, my astrologer, or I, I could, Marv. You know, yeah, Marv's the best. Um, or I could talk to Jake Woodard, who is working on masculine and feminine energy and really start identifying like the power within our own bodies and, and the connection to the universe in that way. And so to me, it's just, it's just expanded and grown. And I feel like you, in a lot of ways, when I start talking about this stuff, people are like, what? Yeah. And it's, you know, there's my friends who can handle it. And some of my friends are like, okay, crazy. Like you're a little weird. That's a little woo woo for me. Um, and I get that. And I used to think that way too. But I think once you have a, an awakening of some sorts, you can't turn back. It's like you're, you're expanded so much and your soul just connects in a way that I've never felt. And I want everyone to feel, which is why I do the stuff I do on my podcast, but everyone comes to it at their own time in their own way. And I just feel grateful to be on the journey. Yeah. I mean, I was really lucky to grow up with it, but also try being a kid and having to not tell your friends that, Oh, you know, we're, 
we're all here on our own paths like <laughs> we came here for a reason like everything happens for a reason like it's just yeah. I still have to bite my tongue. journey you've probably been here before they're like what <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe you haven't but I know I have because yeah. I have my past yeah <laughs> talk about past lives people are like what <laughs> yes like everything you're going through you were meant to like people don't do yeah, you do it before you got here <laughs> oh god so we're nearly at the end this is like I just want to cover all bases <laughs> yeah I'd love to know what you think is the most fulfilling part about what you do I think it's become the connecting piece. I mean, because once I realized that about myself, I started looking at the stuff I do with hair, makeup and styling even too. And all of my clients I have been with for a very long time and we've become like family, you know? And I think that is because of the piece of me that is wants so much more than just to make them look good on the outside. You know, I want them to feel confident on the inside. And so, so much of my job is sitting there and we just talk. And if they're going through a hard time, we're like doing a therapy session or it's a confidence boost day and we're building them up that way. And I think that that has become the thing that I'm like, okay, this is it. It's what fills me up. And I think it's also the gift I can give to others. And so I've really embraced that the last couple of years. And thanks to Very Cavallari for that. <laughs> See, yes. everything has a purpose. <laughs> There's a silver lining. <laughs> there really is. So then what's something you're most proud of from your whole career? From my whole career or my life? Or, or both. Huh. I guess if I had to say career, you know, the piece that you said earlier where you were like, gosh, that was so brave to go just start, do that and figure it out and all of that stuff. I've done that a lot. Like I won't know how to do stuff at all, like a podcast or hair and makeup or styling and I'll just do it. So I guess maybe the courage piece would be something I'm really proud of. It's not like one moment in my career of, oh, I got to go to the Super Bowl or, oh, you know, there's those moments too. But I really think that I can look back at some of the stuff that I've done or the journey that I've been on and, and appreciate that for myself. And maybe that goes in life too, you know, just like leaving the relationship when you need to, or, um, knowing that like, Hey, I need to go work on this stuff in myself. And that takes a lot of courage to admit you're wrong and to admit, maybe there's some pieces of you that need to change. And I, I do that and I keep doing it. And even when I fuck up, I'll do it again. And, um, I don't know. I like that about myself. Yeah. So if you could go back to, the Kelly Henderson who had just moved to Nashville and tell her one thing that you know now, what would it be? Don't go on reality TV. <laughs> uh, don't date anyone in the country music industry. <laughs> There's all these pieces. Uh, yeah, some of those things I'm like, God, that was dumb. But again, it's like you try not to regret things because they do always lead you to the next thing or the next uh, lesson. But and it was maybe your soul's journey, you know? I am. I mean, I really mapped out a really specific one for this lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was going to take a couple really hard things for me to learn some lessons. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I want to get into the neon woman questions. And I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. 
Yeah. So I believe that a woman encompasses so many things, but particularly love, fashion, mindset, travel, and a healthy lifestyle. Um, and I see love as wild, fashion as original. Your mindset should be magnificent. Travel is adventurous and a healthy lifestyle is necessary. Mm. And that makes up the word woman. Love that. So I have a new question for season two, which is, what is the one song you play when you need to brighten your neon colors? Okay, so mine would be anything by Lizzo, Megan Thee Stallion, and then Beyonce, obviously. So probably like the number one that I've gone to when I'm like feeling down is Don't Hurt Yourself by Beyonce. Do you know that song? I don't actually. Oh my gosh, you have to look it up. It's with Jack White who I've worked with a couple times and I'm a huge fan of, but um, yeah, it's like, I guess it was when she was going through that stuff with Jay-Z with the affair and she was just like, like, who the fuck do you think I am? Like, you must've forgotten who you married, you know? And not to be like ego and cocky because I don't think that's the point, but sometimes you just have to snap yourself back together and like look in the mirror and remember who the fuck you are. And that's, that's how I feel on my bad days when I need to snap out of it. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not letting that person or like what they said, take us down today. Like, remember who you are. Remember what your heart says. Remember who, like what your worth is. And none of that shit matters. So yeah. that's probably my go-to. I love it. Well, I'll add it to the playlist, which is coming yeah, soon. It's a good one. Okay. So what about love is wild to you? I mean, I think everything. <laughs> How could you say just one thing? Everything about love is extremely wild to me. Um, I think if I have to pick one takeaway, and maybe this is because of what I'm like working through now, but I think love and relationships has been the biggest experience in learning about myself. And that's wild, right? Like, it's just like, why does it take another person and bumping up against yourself in a dynamic to have these aha moments of like, oh, that is why I do that. Or, oh, I do that. You know, like I sometimes just can't see myself without that lens of a relationship or even a person who loves me. And so, yeah, I think it's wild how that works, but it's all for a reason. I love that. What about your fashion sense is original? I think I try to mix uh, vintage with current, like trendy pieces. And so the vintage piece would be the original because usually there's only one of them, which is why I love it so much. Um, do you do the Enneagram, Enneagram at all? Yes. Okay, I'm a four. And so we like to be original individuals. And so I think my whole life I've kind of worked to dress that was, you know, like dress on trend and cool, but like I had to have my own flavor to it. So vintage has kind of become my way to do that. And just the mixing of it all, like to where I'm like, not going to walk into a party and have on the same thing as anyone else ever. That would be like my worst nightmare. Yes, that <laughs> terrifies me. Doesn't it? It's terrifying. Speaking of vintage, I need to buy one of your vintage teas. Yes, I'm about to, to put some new ones up. So be on the lookout. Oh, okay. What do you do to keep your mindset magnificent? Lately, it has been to breathe. Um, I don't realize how when I get stressed and tense and anxious, I just stop breathing. And so I've been working with this coach. She's like a 
yogi breathing coach and she's helped me to to really figure out how to settle my body with my own breath and that keeps my mind clear and not overwhelmed that's been the only thing a lot of times too it's like when you start you're, you're like oh i'm not gonna just breathe like that's not gonna fix this because i want to just find the thing that's gonna fix something um but when i stop and i do this thing called box breathing where it's like a four 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 breathe in for four hold four let out for four and i have a mantra that i say that she taught me and that's within seven seconds every time my body will relax my mind clears and then I can think of what I need to or not think of what I don't need to you know and so it just creates a much better dynamic for my mind I need to try that (laughs) yeah it's helpful do it (laughs) where is the most adventurous place that you've traveled to I got to go to Iceland with Dirk Bentley um, for this video black for the song he has and it was just cool. I mean, it's beautiful there. And it was, you know, the black beaches and the people were awesome. The food was great. I'd never been to that part of the world. And so that was really exciting for me. And also just was with that whole crew who I've been with since I was like 26. And it was just awesome because it, you know, experiencing stuff with people you love just makes it feel all the better. So that was probably the coolest travel experience I've had. Yeah, I've never been. It looks amazing, though. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Okay, what is necessary for you to have a healthy lifestyle? And I say healthy in quotes because healthy means different for different people. Yeah, I mean, I think balance, which I'm terrible at, is one of the first things that pops to my mind. But again, it's sort of like what I was saying to you earlier, without the downtime to realize what piece is missing, um, I can't always get there. So probably the number one thing for me to have a healthy lifestyle is knowing when to stop and sit for a second so that I can go, hey, what do you need? And just talk to myself and ask myself, what is it? Is it am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? Like, I, who knows? Because <laughs> when I get going, sometimes it's just like, I just feel bad and I don't know why. So it's just the sitting for even two minutes sometimes, turning off the phone, not having an electronic device happening and just sitting in quiet and then asking myself what I need. Yeah, I love that. And then which women or women are inspirational to you? They can be famous or non-famous. I love this question. I thought about it and I was like, who really inspires me? And and there are famous people who do this. There are people in my life who do this, but it's any woman who chooses herself, like regardless of the consequences. So it's like making a decision that's not, you know, the thing that's going to fix someone else or making the decision that is not the popular decision and doesn't make you fit in, but not in a selfish way, but just in a way that she's not abandoning herself and she's listening to her own intuition and her own self, because I find that to be extremely hard sometimes in our culture. And we're, we're taught from a really early age, like we said, to not do that. So it's just any woman who's choosing herself and that, you know, makes me really happy and inspires me to do the same as much as I can. And that's kind of the pattern of growth that I want to go on. Yeah. I love that. And also women are always pitted against each other and, 
Ugh, right. The whole purpose of this podcast was to chat to inspiring women instead of fight with them. So I love that. We need that. We need more of that. Yeah. And then my last question is, what does being a neon woman mean to you? Well, I love what you said about you think women are just these neon bright colors. And I agree with that. I didn't really realize that I did until you said it. And then I just thought to myself, wow, that is so true. Because when you see a woman living in her truth and choosing herself, like I just said, I mean, she is the brightest light in the room always. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that just the neon woman idea is like the goal, right? It's, it's us living in our own true selves and our own authenticity, not abandoning ourselves, choosing ourselves. And then you can't help but shine bright. It is just impossible to not let that glow just happen, just like a neon light. So mm-hmm. I love that. And I never thought of that till you said that. That was one thing I really could take away from today. Oh, awesome. <laughs> well, Kelly, what can you talk about? Like what's next for you? Any upcoming projects? And where can people connect with you as well? Um, well, you can connect with me on Velvet's Edge on all social medias. I'm the most active on Instagram. I tried to get on TikTok, but man, I just really don't like it. I do not understand. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. Um, I also, my blog is and website is velvetsedge.com. The podcast is the same. It's Velvet's Edge and you can search just Velvet's Edge wherever you listen to podcasts. I have a Velvet episode that comes out every Wednesday and that's really where we do the deep spiritual work or deep dives into inner beauty. Fridays is with one of my besties, Chip, who people love, but it's our Edge podcast. So we talk about a little more racy things, like there's a lot of sex talk or um, funny stories. I mean, even sometimes about pooping your pants, it can be all over the place, but just awkward moments that happen in life that maybe people don't always like to talk about, like Chip and I will talk about anything. And so it's a more like fun-sided version of the podcast that comes out every Friday, but um upcoming projects let's see this week I'm working with the Indy car race that we have in Nashville I have a couple guys for that so there's that all my artists are back on tour thank god so a lot of the music industry stuff is still happening um and then for the website like I said this week or next I'm hopefully going to upload some new uh, vintage tees which is exciting and we're getting back to blogging I had to take a little bit of a break during COVID, I was just very uninspired. So we're getting back to that where you can find all sorts of lifestyle tips, health and beauty tutorials, makeup tutorials, um, fashion tips. It covers all the bases, places to find crystals. I mean, we really do, like you said, cover all the bases. So we're back in action on that as well. So check it out. I love it. I will be buying a vintage tea when they come. Yay. Great. (laughs) Kelly, thank you so much. Nashville is my favorite city in the world. And I've now got to interview my favorite person in Nashville. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was so nice to meet you. Thank you for listening to the Neon Woman podcast. Neon Woman was produced by me, Chloe, and Neon Network production. Make sure to follow us on Instagram or check out neonwoman.com for all the latest episodes, blog posts, and more.